There's plenty of movement in the world today. Uh, most of it is rather disconcerting, if we're honest. People on an individual basis and then governments on a national and international basis, I don't have to ruin your day by reminding you, are really, really doing everything they could to improve their positions and situations. Uh, there's power grabbing, there's carving up of the world, there's all kinds of shaking and moving and all kinds of things going on to such extent that all of us are unsettled by it, if we're honest. Uh, but I want to uh, acquaint you tonight with something from Hebrews. We've termed it the letter of better uh, that will remind us of a move, movement, that is indeed better than any other move. It is found in particular in Hebrews chapter 11. That's where we've been spending time. Just one verse, verse 5. Hebrews 11, verse 5. Uh, there we read, By faith, Enoch. See, the writer of Hebrews, as you know, has been writing about faith, about what it is and about who has it. And he's introducing us here to a person named Enoch who has faith. By faith, Enoch. Well, what do we know about Enoch? Not much. Uh, we only know what God wanted us to know about Enoch. And he has written about it and recorded it for us down to this very day, way back in Genesis chapter 5. I'd like to call your attention to a few verses there. In Genesis chapter 5, Moses wrote that. Moses tells us all that we know about Enoch. And it's in Genesis chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. Uh, I'll read this to you. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. That's all we know about this one called Enoch. It's not much in terms of number of words, but it's really a lot. Now, we don't find out about his vocation. We don't know how he earned his living. We don't know whether he was wealthy or not. We don't know about his stock portfolio. We don't know if he was a college graduate, and if so, did he go to an Ivy League school? What was his major? We don't know of his athletic accomplishments, if he had any. We don't know what he looked like. We don't know if he was tall, dark, and handsome. We don't know if he was a good-looking guy. We don't know if he was muscular. We don't know. All we know is what God wanted us to know, and it's this one statement, pregnant with meaning. And Enoch walked with God. That's what we know. While on earth... This is what he did. God did not waste scripture recording all the rest because none of the rest is of real eternal value. Only this, that one walks with God. Not one's appearance, pedigree, stock portfolio, educational level, none of that. Not one's accumulations in a worldly sense. Just this, Enoch walked with God. And when... It was all over. We read, he was not. Why? 
Well, because God took him. That's a whole lot of information in just an economy of words. You see, there was a pattern on the earth, sadly established, subsequent to the sin of our forebears, Adam and Eve. First man and woman, you know the sad story, sinned. God gave them one guideline, one commandment. Do not do this, and it is that this that they done did. Don't eat from the fruit of this tree, and they ate from the fruit of that tree. And the consequences are very telling. You and I are living with them down to this very day. One of the consequences was this. All those birthed would one day die. Death was not part of the plan, don't you see? Death is one of the consequences of sin. And so back in Genesis 5, in a very graphic and haunting way, we're seeing that the, this, 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 this horrific pattern of death very much characterized humanity at the start, down to this very day. So let me just highlight Genesis 5, verse 5. All the days Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. Then verse 8. All the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. All the days, verse 11, of Enosh were 905 years, same thing, and he died. Verse 14, all the days of Kenan were 910 years, and he died. Verse 17, all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years, and he died. Verse 20, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Everybody who lived died. That is everybody with the exception of Enoch. The pattern of death sadly repeats itself as recorded in Genesis 5 in every generation until the reader going through, just as we are, going through Genesis 5 until the reader reading this terrible pattern of death and he died and he died and he gets to verse 24 and then that reader is stopped in his tracks because that reader reads this. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. And that pattern interruption is a brilliant divine literary technique to say, look at this, listen up, it's a signpost. God intervened in human history and interrupted the horrific pattern of death and dying in the case of this exception to the rule we're reading about now, this one named Enoch. Enoch did not die. Now, well, he knew death. Come on. He knew the people we just read about, most of them, in Genesis chapter 5. He lived in the seventh generation from Adam, and he knew about death. He, he knew some who died. I don't know how many funerals he attended. They had burial practices in those days. Grief is not a modern occurrence. He grieved the loss of friends and family. He knew what it was to have a loved one here one day and gone the next. So he was touched by the reality of death for sure, but not in a direct and personal way. Death never happened to him. Birth happened to him, but not death. Exception to the rule, because God interrupted the pattern of living and then dying in Enosh's case. 
And the writer of Hebrews, in verse 5 of chapter 11, makes a comment on this. That's what Hebrews 11 is. It's a New Testament commentary on this Old Testament event. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says about this. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. That's the New Testament writer's comment on the Genesis 5 episode. And then he invokes Genesis 5, verse 24, and says, and he was not found because God took him up. So the writer of Hebrews, whoever he or she is, I don't know, comments on this exceptional event by making it clear that it happened as a result of Enoch's faith. See, by faith, Enoch was not by inherent goodness, not by perseverance, not by stick-to-itiveness, not by sacrifice, not by promises and vows, not by tithing, not by singing, not by by nothing he could lay claim to. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not See death. Now, if Enoch had this measure of faith, don't you think it would have been evidenced, displayed in his life? Sure, it would. It would show. His faith would show. How? Well, Moses tells us how. In Genesis 5, two times in the passage I read, Moses said, Enoch walked with God. That's how his faith showed. He walked with God. So what does that mean? What does it mean to walk with God? It has to do with one's way of life. It's as simple as that. To walk with God has to do with one's way of life. It means living in light of the presence of God. It means living as if he is there. And not only does it mean living as if he is there, it means living as if he is there and rewards those who walk with him. It means living under the influence of God. Some of us here at times past have lived under the influence of other things, controlled and mastered by it, affected by it, unable to function without it. To walk with God is to live under his influence. He's not an option. He's an essential ingredient in the formula of life. To walk with God is the same as it would be if you had a close friend with whom you walked. It implies communion. It implies trust. You don't walk with someone who's a threat to you. It implies agreement. You're not walking with a friend. If your friend's going this way, you disagree and are going that way. To walk with God means that you agree with the direction, the chart, the map he has laid out for your life. It means you defer to his leadership. To walk with someone means a growing sense of intimacy. People walk together, and if they did it regularly, they're talking. To walk together means communion, conversation. It means one speaks while the other is listening, and then they 
switch roles. To walk with God means we're willing to submit to what he has to say and willing to subject to him all of the matters of life that are concerns for us. We seek his voice out in his word and we lift our voice to him in prayer. To walk with God is to talk to him about absolutely everything. To walk with God means to move in the same direction. To walk with God means you're not running. It's more than just thanking God for food before a meal. That's a good thing. But that's different. To walk with God is not to fit him in amidst the hectic pace of life and all the rest that you have to do. It doesn't say that Enoch sprinted with God. No, it says he walked with him. He took a couple deep breaths. He rested. He removed himself from other things so as to carve the time out to set himself aside for this glorious and sacred privilege of walking with God. He didn't rush it. It wasn't a, a cursory nod to God. It was a lifestyle. It was his life force. Many today, and in Enoch's day, were not walking with God. They were walking in another direction. They were walking away from God. There's much wickedness in our day. And so you say, well, Stuart, what you're saying sounds really easy, but it's not because the majority view in our day is fast coming to be anti-God. Don't walk with God. Walk in your own direct. But folks... It was pretty bad in Enoch's day as well. Did you know that? For him to make this decision in his day to walk with God was quite costly, just as it is today. His day was so bad. Do you know his day, the wickedness in his day, is what motivated God to send the flood? That's pretty bad. A universal flood to wipe out all of mankind except those saved in the ark. You know the story. So it was not so easy to identify with God in, Noah's, in Enoch's day uh, either. And Enoch, don't, don't misunderstand. Enoch didn't have it all together. To walk with God does not mean perfection. I don't want you to be disqualified because you're imperfect. To walk with God has to do not with perfection, but with direction. It was the direction of his life. Enoch was not perfect. I'll, I'll show you what I mean. He did not always walk with God. Like us, he squandered a number of the years of his life. So too, sadly, have you and I. Something happened to us in different ways that got our attention, moved us to repentance, and we reached out to God, accepting his invitation to commune with him and walk with him. But it wasn't always that way with us, nor was it with Enoch. He spent a good deal of his life, uh, just like everybody else, doing his own thing. Then something happened to him. Now, I want to suggest this, but you don't have to buy it. I think what really got his attention and changed his direction was the birth of his first child. I'll show you what I mean. Would you turn back with me to Genesis chapter 5, the text we read, verse 21. I'll show you what I mean. Maybe I'm, I'm out to lunch on this, and I know you will feel free to tell me if you think so. But bear with me. I'll tell you, I'll tell you why I said what I did. I think the birth of his first son changed his entire direction in his life. He became a dad. I'll show you what I mean. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. Eli, Enoch lived how many years? Okay, 65. And 
At age 65, this happened. He became the father of Methuselah, right? That's all we know. He was born, and in his 65th year, he became a dad. We know his son's name, Methuselah. Okay. Then, see verse 22? Then, this happened. He was 65. He had a son. Then, that's a time indicator. So at 65, not before, not after, at 65 when he had a son, then Enoch walked with God. For how long? 300 years. He did not walk with God the entirety of his life, which was 365 years, if you do the math. He only walked with God in the last part of his life, the 300 years, the first 65 years. He was childless. He did, there were no kids. He, he wasn't the dad of anybody. At age 65, he had Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God. So why am I attributing so much to this event? I think this maybe happened. I think he held the son in his arms when his son was birthed. And I think he said, I'm your dad. Oh, my. I think he was overwhelmed by the privilege and responsibility thereof. I am now a dad. I don't know how to be a dad. I've never done dad stuff. Before, I want to be the best to you. I want to be the best I can for you. Oh, God, I'm not at my best apart from you. Oh, God, I'm doing the same thing every pre-flood neighbor of mine is doing. Our own thing. We know you created the world. We see your handiwork in nature. We see the order of the universe that you have made. We know what happened to Adam and Eve. We're not generations so far removed that we have forgotten this. We know how you spoke all things into existence. We know how we are to be for your pleasure. We know that we've been created in your image and you distinguished us from all other created things in that regard. And oh God, I know I've lived as if you're not there. I'm not walking with you. I've run away from you just like Adam and Eve. But oh God, I'm in trouble now. I'm at my worst. And I'm going to pass it on to my son. My son is going to be consequenced by the direction of my life. Oh, you giver of life. Would you grant me now the privilege of walking with you so that I could be the best dad I could possibly be? I can't when left to my own devices. Now, look, folks, it doesn't take having a son for that to be the climactic event in your life. What does it take? Don't you feel a sense of responsibility for some around you? Aren't you part of a family? Do you not have co-workers? Are you not in class with fellow students? Is there nobody besides yourself who you care for? There may not be anyone you would die for. Is there someone you would live for? How are you living for that one you love and care about? Are you at your best or are you at your worst? It's not your own thing. We're connected. What's the consequence of the connection? What's the impact of your lifestyle on those around you whom you 
love. Nobody has to persuade you. They mean something to you. You know that. Don't you want to be the best you can for their sake? Don't you realize you can't unless you're walking with God? And if you are, it is a better move than any move you could possibly make. Why not say, oh, God, I've squandered some years like Enoch. I cannot get them back. I've consequenced those around me. I've robbed them in various ways, for I've not been at my best. What's done is done. However, this is a new day. Oh, God, would you take my hand and would you grant me the privilege that you granted Enoch of allowing me to walk with you Fill me, come upon me, rub off on me. You, oh perfect one, make me to be a better one so that I could be at my best for those around me for whom I care. And the writer of Hebrews tells us, make no mistake about this, that what Enoch did, he did by faith. Why would it require faith for him to walk with God? His eyes did not show him God. I don't think he necessarily had a visible visible experience of the unseen God. In fact, what his eyes showed him was the opposite. He saw manifold people living God-less lifestyles all around him. The norm in his day was the anti-God walk, not the with-God walk, just like the norm in our day. Do you realize we are fast coming to be in the moral minority? Do you realize this? Do you realize how tempting it is to compromise the moral and ethical standards of Scripture? Why is it for me to interfere with two same-gender people who love each other? Why is it for me not to see their bond to be as valid as anyone? You see, you get, you get. Why is it for me to tell that young woman who cannot afford at this point in her life to have that child that she should not terminate the... Why is it? You can find yourself, I'm telling you. What our eyes tell us to be true can really wear us out, so too in Enoch's day. What was visible to him could easily have compromised his walk, but instead by faith he opted for doing that which the invisible and unseen God would have him do. It's by faith. Nothing's different. It's the same for you, and it's the same, it's the same for me. And 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 and, and <laughs> And God was pleased. God required faith. uh, And Enoch manifested it and chose to walk with the unseen God. This was pleasing to God. How do I know this? Read the last phrase in Hebrews 11 verse 5. The verse under our consideration. That's the last phrase. It says, for he, that's Enoch, obtained the witness. It's like a legal pronouncement. It's like written. Well, it is. It's written right here in God's word. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, look, he was pleasing to God. You see, to walk with God by faith is very pleasing to God. Why? Because God loves to be trusted. That's what faith is. I trust you. I don't understand you fully. I do not apprehend you with my eyes. I've not 
wrapped my arms around you, nor have your arms enveloped me, literally. But I trust you. This is very pleasing to God. Enoch walked with God by faith. Faith is very pleasing to God because he loves to be trusted. Enoch trusted God, and what was the result? He bypassed death. Whoa. I want to tell you something. Enoch did not see that coming. Enoch was the most surprised person on earth when he moved from earth to a different place. Enoch, Enoch didn't lay claim to that. Enoch thought he's going to be next in line. He's going to be, he's like everybody else. He was birthed like everybody else. He will die like everybody else. His faith was not in this particular outcome. He didn't know what his future specifically held. His faith was in walking with God in the present day. You know who people, people who think faith is uh, requiring of God something for the future? That's not faith. <laughs> That's trying to manipulate God into giving you what you want him to give you. Faith is walking with God in the present right now, not knowing specifically what tomorrow holds. Do you know what your tomorrow holds tomorrow? No, you don't. Neither do I. And, and so I want to tell you something. Um, <laughs> having faith in Almighty God is absolutely no guarantee that the one with faith will escape harm, trouble, suffering, or the storms of life. Faith in God is absolutely no guarantee that the faithful one will escape the throes of life. Absolutely not. I'll prove it to you. Do you remember last week we spoke of another person of faith? His name was Abel. By faith, Abel offered to God an acceptable sacrifice. What happened to him? He was, he died prematurely. He was murdered at the hands of his own brother, Cain. So this is interesting to me. Enoch's faith led him to be translated out of the world without tasting death at all. But Abel's faith led him to a premature death. What's the point? Life, the life of faith, takes different turns for each of us. I don't understand why I made it to 63. <clears throat> and others I know of equal or greater faith have passed much sooner. There is absolutely no guarantee that the person of faith will escape the throes of life. Life takes different turns for different ones of God's kids. Abel died a very violent death, but Enoch never died. God has a different plan for each of us who trusts him. So what then does faith guarantee? What's the benefit of faith? If it isn't smooth sailing, what does faith guarantee? It guarantees the exactly same response Enoch received from God. For he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. The person of faith is walking with God in the present, trusting God for the future, though he has no idea how or when God is going to take care of him in the future. No idea 
whatsoever. But the guarantee of faith is the same response from God that Enoch received. He was pleasing to God. Folks, the next verse, which we'll get to sometime, Lord willing, maybe, says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And the pronouncement here is that Enoch made the cut. Enoch, imperfect though he is, Enoch pleased God. We don't know what grades he got. We don't know what school he went to. We don't know how big he was. What he, we, but we know this combination. commendation. Enoch, wouldn't, wouldn't you want this to be inscribed on your epitaph whenever you get there? <laughs> and are laid to rest. Here lies a person who walked with God. And you get the same response from God. And God was pleased. So, folks, I want to tell you this. To trust God is to please him. And to please him is to have his guarantee of movement from this life to the next, one way or the other. So I mean this. If you've accepted God's provision for eternal life and forgiveness... That's Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life. There's only two options for you. One, if you die before he comes back, you will go to be immediately with him. For the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if you are alive, think of this, when he returns, you will have exactly the same experience Enoch did. You will not experience death. You will be translated or raptured. So you have two options. If you're walking with God, if you're by faith, you're walking with God, it's either resurrection or rapture. Pretty good options. Any way you look to it, it's the best move you could ever possibly make. Suddenly, if you're alive when the Lord Jesus returns, you will experience the same sudden removal from earth to heaven that Enoch experienced. And the point is, however and whenever you get there, that move is better than any other move you could possibly make. And here's good news. Enoch's Lord is still looking for those who are willing to walk with him here by faith. And that one receives the same guarantee of movement from here to be there with him forevermore. Folks, I must tell you, as we're doing everything we could to be sustained and even survive these tumultuous days, this move is a better move than any other we could possibly imagine. I must beseech you, take seriously, especially during this Christmas season, what Jesus has done to enable an eternal walk with Almighty God because of his death and burial and resurrection. No matter what else happens, we don't know what the future holds. I don't know mine. You don't know yours. I know ultimately God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. The work I began in you, 
I will complete. Where I am, there you will be also. I know all of that. I don't know when. I don't know how. I know, he said, if I did not withhold from you the best, my son, how will I, not, will I not also with him freely give you all things? So I have the promise of God's supply and sustenance, but I don't know how and I don't know when. I don't know any of that stuff. Faith is, oh God, I will walk with you today. And though I know you hold my future, I have no idea specifically how or when all that is going to be worked out. All I know is you are pleased with the person who by faith walks with you. And when you're pleased with a person, <laughs> that person will walk with you now and forevermore no matter what may happen. I, I used to pastor a church in Ohio a million Have you ever heard of Ohio? Yeah. A long time ago, and there was an older lady who um, told me her favorite song, hymn, was um, I Come to the Garden Alone. Do you know that one? Well, when she told me, I had no idea what she was talking about. I'm a Jewish kid from New York. I'm now in Ohio in a Baptist church, and there's this elderly lady talking to me about foreign songs. But anyway, I learned it. I Come to the Garden Alone. Do you know it? It's really beautiful. Uh, don't you like the lyric? It, uh, it just occurs to me it fits. Um, he, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. Isn't that good? Let's stand together. Sing, let's sing that. Would you help me? If not, it's going to really be painful for you. I come to the garden alone. Just the chorus, and he walks with me. Let's sing. And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever We should just end with that.